Chapter Twenty Three of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Twenty Three, which concerns the grand dinner at the King's House and who are there, and something of their talk, reveries, disputes and general jollity it was about this time that the dinner party at the king's house came off old colonel and mrs stafford were hospitable if not very entertaining and liked to bring their neighbours together without ceremony round a saddle of mutton and a gooseberry pie and other such solid comforts and then hay for a round game for the young people pope joan or what you please in the drawing-room with lots of flirting and favouritism and a jolly little supper of broiled bones and whipped cream and toasts and sentiments with plenty of sly illusions and honest laughter all round the table but twice or thrice in the year the worthy couple made a more imposing gathering at the king's house and killed the fatted calf and made a solemn feast to the bigwigs and the notables of chapel Izzard, with just such a sprinkling of youngsters as sufficed to keep alive the young people whom they brought in their train there was eating of venison and farced turkeys and other stately fare and they praised the colonel's claret and gave the servants their veils in the hall and drove away in their carriages with flambeau and footmen followed by the hearty good night of the host from the hall doorsteps and amazing the quiet little town with their rattle and glare dinner was a five o'clock affair in those days and the state parlour was well filled there was old Bly from the magazine, I take the guess in order of arrival, and the Chatsworths and the Walsinghams, and old dowager Lady Glenvarlow, Colonel Stratford's cousin, who flashed out in the evening sun from Dublin in thunder and dust, and her carriage and four, bringing her mild little country niece, who watched her fat painted aunt all the time of dinner, with the corners of her frightened little eyes across the table and spoke sparingly and ate with diffidence and captain Devereux was there and the next beau who appeared was of all men in the world mr mervyn and aunt becky watched and saw with satisfaction that he and gertrude met as formally and coldly as she could have desired and then there was an elaborate macaroni one of the lord lieutenant's household mr beauchamp and last lord castle mallard who liked very well to be the chief man in the room and dozed after dinner serenely in that consciousness and loved to lean back upon his sofa in the drawing-room and gaze in a dozing smiling turkish reverie after gertrude chatsworth and pretty lilius whom he admired and when either came near enough he would take her hand and say well child how do you do and why don't you speak to your old friend you charming rogue you know i remember you no bigger than your fan and what mischief have you been about eh what mischief have you been about i say young gentlewoman turning all the pretty fellows heads i warrant eh turning their heads and he used to talk this sort of talk very slowly and to hold their hands all the while and even after this talk was exhausted and grinned sleepily and wag his head looking with a glittering unpleasant gaze in their faces all the time but at present 
we are all at dinner in the midst of the row which even the best-bred people assembled in sufficient numbers will make over that meal devereux could not help seeing pretty lilius over the way who was listening to handsome mervyn as it seemed with interest and talking also her pleasant little share he was no dunce said mervyn nor much of a coxcomb and certainly no clown devereux thought but as fine a gentleman to speak honestly and as handsome as well dressed and as pleasant to listen to with that sweet low voice and piquant smile as any besides he could draw and had many yards of french and english verses by rote than aunt becky owned a venetian lace and satin ribbons and was more of a scholar than he 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 why he what the deuce had devereux to do with it was he vexed a fiddlestick he began to flag with miss ward the dowager's niece and was glad when the refined beauchamp at her other side took her up and entertained her with lady carrickmore's ball and the masquerade and the last levee and the withdrawing-room there are said to have been persons who could attend to half a dozen different conversations going on together and take a rational part in them all and indulge all the time in a distinct conservative train of thought beside i dare say mr morphy the chess-player would find no difficulty in it but devereux was not by any means competent to the feat though there was one conversation perhaps the thread of which he would gladly have caught up and disentangled so the talk at top and bottom and both sides of the table with its cross-readings and muddle and uproar changed hands and whisked and rioted like a dance of walpurgis in his lonely brain what he heard on the whole was very like this hubble bubble rubble double the great match of shuttlecock played between the gentlemen of the north and those of hubble bubble the methodist persuasion but ha 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 a squeeze of a lemon rubble double ha 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 wicked man hubble bubble force meatballs and yolks of eggs rubble double musket balls from a steel crossbow upon my hubble bubble throwing a sheep's eye ha 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 rubble double and the two remaining heads on temple bar hubble bubble and the duke left by his will rubble double a quid of tobacco in the brass snuff-box hubble bubble and my lady restivere's very sweet upon rubble double old alderman wallop of john's lane hubble bubble ha 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 from jericho to bethany where david joab and rubble double the whole party upset in the mud in a chase marine and hubble bubble shake a little white pepper over them and rubble double his name is solomon hubble bubble ha 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 the poor old thing dying of cold and not a stitch of clothes to cover her nakedness rubble double play or pay on finchley common hubble bubble most melancholy truly ha 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 rubble double and old lady ruth is ready to swear she never hubble bubble served high sheriff for the county of down in the reign of queen anne rubble double and dr and mrs sturk hubble bubble secretaries of state in the room of the duke of grafton and general conway rubble double venerable prelate ha 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 hubble bubble filthy creature hubble bubble rubble double 
and this did not make him much wiser or merrier love has its fevers its recoveries and its relapses the patient nay even his nurse and his doctor if he has taken to himself such officers in his distress may believe the malady quite cured the passion burnt out the flame extinct even the smoke quite over when a little chance puff of rivalry blows the white ashes off and lo the old liking is still smouldering but this was not devereux's case he remembered when his fever not a love one and his leave of absence at scarborough and that long continental tour of hers with aunt rebecca and gertrude chatsworth had carried the grave large-eyed little girl away and hid her from his sight for more than a year very nearly two years the strange sort of thrill and surprise with which he saw her again tall and slight and very beautiful no not beautiful perhaps if you go to rule and compass and greek trigonometrical theories but there was an indescribable prettiness in all her features and movements and looks higher and finer and sweeter than all the canons of statuary will give you how prettily she stands how prettily she walks what a sensitive spirited clean-tinted face it is this was pretty much the interpretation of his reverie as colonel stafford's large and respectable party obligingly vanished for a while into air is it sad i think it is sad i don't know and how sweetly and how drolly it lighted up at that moment he saw her smile the pleasant mischief in it the dark violent glance the wonderful soft dimple in chin and cheek the little crimson mouth and its laughing coronet of pearls and then all earnest again and still so animated what feminine intelligence and character there is in that face tis pleasanter to me than conversation tis a fairy tale or or a dream it's so interesting i never know you see what's coming is not it beautiful what is she talking about now what does it signify she's so strangely beautiful she's like those irish melodies i can't reach all their meaning i only know their changes keep me silent and are playing with my heart-strings devereux's contemplation of the animated tete-a-tete for such in effect it seemed to him at the other side of the table was however by no means altogether pleasurable he began to think mervyn conceited there was a provoking probability of succeeding about him and altogether something that was beginning to grow offensive and odious she knows well enough i like her so his liking said in confidence to his vanity and even he hardly overheard them talk better a great deal than i knew it myself till old stratford got together this confounded stupid dinner-party he caught miss chatsworth glancing at him with a peculiar look of inquiry why the plague did he ask me here it was Potick's turn and he likes venison and compotes and and but tis like them the women fall in love with the man who's in love with himself like narcissus yonder and they can't help it not they and what care i hang it i say what is to me and yet if she were to leave it what a queer unmeaning place chapel is it would be 
and what do you say to that captain devereux cried the hearty voice of old general chatsworth and with a little shock the captain dropped from the clouds into his chair and a clear view of the larded fowl before him and his own responsibilities and situation some turkey he said awaking and touching the carving knife and fork with a smile and a bow and he mingled once more in the business and bustle of life and soon there came in the general talk and business of one of those sudden lulls which catch speakers unawares and mr beauchamp was found saying i saw her play on thursday and upon my honour the bellamy is a mockery a skeleton and a spectacle that's no reason said aunt becky who as usual had got up a skirmish and was firing away in the cause of mossop and smock alley playhouse why she would be fraudulently arrested in her own chair on her way to the playhouse by the contrivance of the rogue barry and that wicked mountebank woodward you're rather hard upon them madam said mrs colonel stafford who stood up for crow street with a slight elevation of her chin very true indeed mistress chatsworth cried the dowager overlooking madam stafford's parenthesis and tapping an applause with her fan and at the same time rewarding the champion of smock alley for she was one of the faction with one of her large painted smiles followed by a grave and somewhat supercilious glance at the gentlemen of the household and i don't believe they at least can think her a spectacle and uh the like or they'd hardly have conspired to lock her in the sponging-house while she should have been in the playhouse what say you mistress chatsworth ha ha no truly my lady but you know she's unfortunate and a stranger and the good people in this part of the world improve so safe an opportunity of libeling a friendless gentlewoman this little jet of vitriol was intended for the eye of the castle beau but he quite innocent of the injection went on serenely so they do upon my honour madam tell prodigious naughty tales about her yet upon my life i do pity her from my soul how that fellow calcraft by jove she says you know she's married to him but we know better he has half broken her heart and treated her with most refined meanness as i live in the green room where she looks an infinity worse than on the stage she told me i dare say said aunt becky rather stiffly pulling him up for though she had fought around for poor george ann bellamy for mossop's sake she nevertheless had formed a pretty just estimate of that faded good-natured and insolvent demi-rep and rather recoiled from any anecdotes of her telling and calcraft gave her his likeness in miniature related the macaroni never minding set round with diamonds and will you believe it when she came to examine it they were not brilliants but rose diamonds despicable fellow here the talk began to spring up again in different places and the conversation speedily turned into what we have heard it before and the roar and confusion became universal and swallowed up what remained of poor anne's persecutions 
End of chapter 23. Recording by John Brandon.